this episode is on Diploma, a UK-listed value-added distributor. They sell essential products to engineering and industrial companies across end markets such as aerospace, life sciences, and, and broadly all other industrial markets across Europe and, and the UK and now the US. It's kind of similar to Farsenal's core business, just without the the vending machines they have on a customer site. Um, so, 1.5 billion in, in, in revenue, 18 odd percent operating margins. It's compound, compounded EBIT or EBIT plus amortization, EBIT A, uh, roughly 20% for a couple of decades. It's probably one of our favorite UK listed companies in terms of enduring quality. In this episode, we explore why we've been studying the business in detail for the last few months. They've hired a new CEO over the last few years who is performing very well, but is also is significantly changing the business in terms of the org structure and the M&A strategy, which we think is worth exploring in more detail. Enjoy. And as always, please do your own research. Nothing here is investment advice. Good morning. Diploma today. Um, how did you come across this business? Why are we working on it? Well, I know I went to find every single value-added distributor I could find that was listed. That was how I came across it. But I think I originally, because I was studying uh, Farsenal, which led me to Wadsco and Paul Corp and all those, call it B2B distributors that have done so well, just figuring out why. And then I found a diploma in, in the UK and, and, and a few others like Bunzel and Electric Components, which is now RS Group. But Diploma, Diploma was just really interesting because it's so stable and durable. I mean, I think, you know, one thing I look at when I, when I look at these, well, actually all companies is just the, the stability of the, of the gross margin mainly. Uh, I mean, just because it shows, I use it as a, a, a proxy of how much value they're actually adding to the customer, right? If you've got a very stable gross margin, you're you're in a you're in a, it suggests that you're in a that you're in a somewhat stable industry structure or market structure. You're not seeing higher competition, you know, in pricing and 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 also it shows that you have a very consistent and somewhat stable value add. So you know, your costs and the price that you're charging the customer are very stable. I think diplomas, and you can work out, you know, I could typically get 20, 30 years of their financials up on Excel and just work out the standard deviation of the gross margin. I think diplomas is one of the lowest. I think actually out of all of the, well, most of the companies I've seen, I think it's one of the, one of the lowest. It's had pretty much 35, 36% gross margin for, you know, 25, 30 years. Yeah, so just went went to figure out why and and, and realized it was it was pretty uh, pretty interesting company. I mean, just a brief history. Well, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about where they're from and what they do. Mm, so there was um, funny enough a, a guy who is actually a former consultant that picked up the business in nineteen ninety eight and pretty much turned it around into a 
value-added distributor that sells essential products. So very simply what they do is they sell, call it critical components to big industrial companies, aerospace companies, military businesses, and manufacturing and all pharmaceutical, all, all kinds of industry. Um, and they sell everything from, from seals, hydraulic seals, components, um, controls, sensors, and they have a life sciences business in, in Canada. But they, they basically sell essential products. So if you remember last, you know, last week or a few weeks ago, we spoke about Bergman and Bevan, and they have Luna, and they sell, you know, hats and gloves and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, it's not that, right? It, it's, it's basically high. They sell stuff that goes in machinery. So if you've got a, if you've got a digger or a caterpillar machine and it has a hydraulic, hydraulic component or a seal in it, and the seal is broken or, or faulty, that digger cannot function, right? It can't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't drive. So if that construction company needs to get something up and running, they will have to buy, they use diploma to get those critical components. And diploma offers what your typical distributor would offer, which is um, always, you know, they call it always in stock. So high product availability, very quick delivery. So next day, even same day delivery, and they obviously have all products in store. So they're a one-stop shop that offers very good service and pricing. But they sell very critical components. That, and that's the key thing. So if you, you remember Bourbon and Bevan, the reason why they have some, you know, a bit of a, well, why their return on capital is so low is because they, not only like that they get a disintermediated in the value chain, but they're selling, they're not selling critical, critical components. And yeah, so, so this guy, Funny enough, he was called, he's called Bruce Thompson, who took it over, and the new guy's called Johnny Thompson, although they're not related, but they got the same surname or similar surname. He basically took it over and turned it around and and focused on critical components, sold off a bunch of crap that it didn't that wasn't that effectively, and and just went on a uh, doing a creative M and A for twenty five years, and stock has compounded, free cash flows compounded nineteen percent a year. It didn't issue much equity until the new guy come in. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's been one of the best performing companies in, in the UK. It's a very, well, I think it's one of the best businesses in the UK that I've come across. Say a bit more about that and, and the framework by which you are, what, what leads you to that view? Well, I think, I think it's just the, these companies that, Diploma, yeah, some of these Swedish companies, their operating companies don't have much competition, right? Because they're very, very niche markets and they sell very critical niche components, sometimes very highly technical components, specifically Diploma's business. Less, less so than new assets, but the, historically, Diploma, they're, they're, they're basically selling... Um, somewhat technical cable harnessing products and and stuff like that and 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 you know it's that classic like low cost high benefit or mission critical product product right where the customer cannot operate their manufacturing facility without this component and so therefore they would pay they pay diploma a premium to get it to them very, very quickly because it saves them more in the cost of the product. It's like, you know, it's kind of like Transdyne, but without the egregious pricing, effectively. 
where the airline can't operate without unsafe seatbelts and, and so does diplomas customers can't operate without some of their components and they actually have a they actually have diploma does have an aftermarket business in industrial MRO, MRO and, and, and have a business called Hercules which does similar stuff that kind of similar stuff to what Transdyne would do but so it's 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 the it's the low competition it's the it's the low relative cost and high relative benefit of the product and then it's it's then obviously you can look at the capital allocation of the previous management team has was been has been excellent and they were very rigorous and diligent in acquiring companies at good valuations and and letting them run decentralized so yeah it's a it's an interesting asset and that's what why I've been doing work on it over the last year or so because they've you know Bruce retired in 2018 um, they hired someone a guy that didn't work out he was fired pretty quickly and they brought in this new guy from Compass Johnny Thompson not related to Bruce and he yeah I mean he's boy, he's been on a He's been on a tear, right? He's literally been buying. I mean, it, this is why it's pretty interesting because he's changed. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I find it very interesting. It reminds me of Halmar in the in, in the early days when Andrew Williams took over. There's an interesting element here where you get these. Now because everyone looks for owner operators, right? I like this is the owner operator. He started the business. He's doing it 30, 30, 40. It's very rare you find those people that are like, you know, comping Buffett style at 20 percent. 30, 40 years down the line. Some, you know, so for this this example with diploma, you get this guy, Bruce, takes over in 98, retired in 20, 2018, right? 20 years. And then you get, and he's not the founder, he kind of is the founder, but he's not technically the founder of diploma, right? He's the pioneer of the, the modern diploma. Then you get this new guy who takes over. Younger guy, he's 40, mid 40s, late 40s, where Johnny is. And obviously a big part of diploma's value add is the creative M&A. Like the capital allocation is critical of these businesses. They generate a ton of cash and they have to allocate it. They pay some dividends, but they just, it's mainly acquisitions that they do. But you do find, I think there is an opportunity. If you can spot someone, it's very, very difficult, obviously, but if you can understand the transition period between that old management team and this new and the new guy that comes in and his quality because the stock does, you know, some some investors, you know, it does kind of, it, it, the equity and investors in the market don't know how to take, when Bruce leaves, and also it wasn't just Bruce, it was all of the guys around him. So Nigel and Ian, it was three of them basically that run it and pioneered. They'd done all the M&A, they'd done all the, you know, all the due diligence for this stuff. They all retired, 2018, 19. So they all went. So you've got a whole new team that are managing these assets. None of them are on the board either right? they're all gone so and i do and it's this it's kind of similar less Hammer was similar when andrew williams took over in 2005 and he crushed killed it on Hammer. and so i do wonder if there's this if you can really and and, and the reason why it's interesting is because for example bruce he was setting his ways for 20 years, right? From 2000, from 1998 to 2018. He wasn't actually acquiring that much. And, 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 and so you could argue that he was being too conservative, right? And he was, but, but he was also 
set in his ways based on a business that, that done, you know, 30, 40, started with 30, 40 million in revenue. Now does a billion in revenue. So you need a whole new structure for that. So anyway, there's just, there's, there's just a, I do think it's interesting to see these transition periods. I mean, Howard's kind of going through one of their own now. But if you can find these assets, and I guess judges will go through one of them soon as well, potentially, maybe. But yeah, understanding how these how these management teams operate, these new management teams, understand the differences they take, their approach, their culture. Johnny's obviously the hardest thing is to actually know how good really is Johnny at allocating capital, right? And you don't really know until you actually have a track record. Which is the which is why it's really difficult and why the why the equity does typically trade down or, or is a bit in no man's land when when the original management team retires. But I don't know. I, I find there are I guess there are many examples of management that have messed it up. But yeah, Johnny seems to be doing well. So, so there there are some reasons to be interested in this business. Some legitimate reasons. How? Have you thought about deploying primary research into revealing some insights about the way this business creates value and and where the story goes from here? It's always quite difficult to cover these these companies that have so many. They're very decentralized, so they have a very small HQ. It's like doing work on Berkshire Hathaway. You're not going to speak to Buffy or, or Charlie Munger, right? So. This is somewhat similar where there's probably in HQ, there's no, there's the HQ under Bruce. You know, obviously, none of the guys, most of the people under Johnny, the current management team today, are still there. So, anyone who worked really close to the action in terms of understanding how to allocate capital, how, how the management team thought about buying businesses, strategy, or you know, the unit economics of the whole group, there's probably four or five, well six or seven, eight people. Um, we actually found four four to five of them. So yeah, we interviewed, interviewed them privately and, and tried to understand more about what Bruce was like, what the old deployment was like and what the new deployment was like. And, and specifically, it was interesting because we, we interviewed a couple of, well, all of them, but one guy specifically who hired Johnny and was involved in the hiring process, and um, so we we got some interesting character references on him, on, on Johnny, and and what he's actually like, and what drives him, and yeah, trying to help us understand what he's what he has planned for deployment. So we we interviewed we interviewed those executives, and we plan to. You know, that's, that's one part of the research, which was pretty much uh, trying to understand the evolution in the group at a HQ level and mainly the M&A strategy and, and how Johnny approaches M&A relative to, to Bruce and, and just broader character references. And then there are um, a few interviews that we've lined up on the operating companies. So the big difference, one of the big... It's hard because Diploma is very decentralized. So like, there's no one company. Historically, there was no one company that moved the needle. You know, you can't really, you can get a sense, you can interview some of the people at Opcos and get a sense of the assets they buy. But it doesn't really, you know, if it's two, 5% of revenue, it doesn't, it's not going to move the needle much. But Johnny has um, purchased huge companies now, right? He, So he, he I mean, there is a stat. Wait a second. He, um... So in the last 
three years, Johnny has spent 800 million on acquisitions, which was three, four times the amount Bruce spent in 20 years. <laughs> he, bought a, he bought an asset for, I can't remember now, it was 450 million or something like that. No, this is a very, it's just, this is a different ball game, and it's worked out well so far. Obviously, it's hard to tell; it's very short term. But you know, he, he's he's changed. It's, it's a big change. So, well, trying to understand what he's purchased, so it makes it a bit easier to do some pro research because I can go. And, I'm going to go and do some interviews on Windy City Wire, which is the big asset they purchased, the 450 million quid company they paid and there's a few others that are 75 million and above or you know, one, one 50 million and above 50 75 million so the plan is to go and do some interviews on those assets to understand exactly the quality of of what he's buying and then we'll we'll, we'll write some research on that over the next well hopefully one piece will be this this week and then a, a few more to come this year Fun. Yeah, let's see. And I've got an investor day next this month, which I might, I may, I may go to see what Johnny's up to. He's not messing around, though, that's for sure. <laughs>